Welcome to PwC's Tax Readiness Podcast Series. This podcast is an excerpt from PwC's Tax Readiness Webcast, Top Policy Trends and an Outlook for 2019, held on January 31, 2019. The panelists for the webcast were Scott McCandless, a partner in PwC's Tax Policy Services Practice, John Lieber, a partner in PwC's National Economics and Statistics Group, Allison Cutler, the leader of PwC's Strategic Policy Advisors Practice, and Janice Mays, a managing director in PwC's Tax Policy Services Practice. This excerpt consists of a discussion of the new political landscape in Washington following the midterm elections. Have a listen. I thought we would start with this concept of the new balance of power in Washington, D.C. And Janice, maybe we can start with you, a uh, long-term uh, uh, operative on Capitol Hill who is now a refugee in, <laughs> in downtown with us. I watch it from a distance today. I think, <laughs> I I think that may be more fun <laughs> than actually being involved in it. But we do have a new Congress, and we right. do have a divided government. We haven't had one now for a while. And so we, we're going to have to learn to deal with that. If you look at the circles on the screen, and, and the top ones are what was before the election, bottom after the election. On the left side, the House. It really has converted that the House Democrats now have just about the same majority House Republicans had at the beginning of the last Congress. And remember, it took them a while to build their team. They weren't able to legislate in the beginning. They weren't able to sort of come together. The Democrats are going to have those same issues. While the press is focused a lot on the more liberal people who have come to the Congress, this new set of members for the House, there are 40 more Democrats than there were before, but there are 64 new members on the Democratic side. So a lot of the the Democrats left, more came in. And that's a big group to assimilate into your caucus. And the Republicans will have some assimilation too. And I would say many of those were elected in districts that are more purple than blue. Mm. And some even maybe more red than blue. And they're going to be having to figure out how they might get reelected from those districts. And a lot of them are more moderate than the press is really playing it today. So we're going to have to figure out as the Democrats try to find their soul at this point, you know, how liberal are they? How moderate are they? They themselves don't quite know who they are as a party. So that's going to be working big time. It's going to take them a while to build the team. And and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you mean by team isn't just actually putting their members together. They have 64 new members. Uh, They've got a a 40-seat majority. So the the roster is known, but what you, I think, are driving at is the sense of team, a sense of operating together together. and pulling in the same direction to the extent they do that. One of the things they're going to want to do, you have a lot of people running for president right now, but the House Democrats are going to want to be able to pass some legislation, maybe just through the House, not make law necessarily, but to come together to be able to do that, they're going to have to be unified. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, they aren't. Mm -hmm. At the moment, they have a lot of thoughts about what their priorities are, but they haven't resolved kind of how they unify among themselves and make a broader statement about what Democrats would be for if if a president were running, if, if they were in charge and able to make law. And it's not only true in the House as a whole, it's true in the Ways and Means Committee. The tax writing and trade writing and health writing committee, you have 42 members, 
11 new Democrats, three new Republicans, and they're going to have to do some team building themselves in that sense and figure <laughs> out what they want to send to the House and um, <clears throat> kind of how they get going on that. They have a new chairman, Richie Neal, Massachusetts, good pro-business guy. The business is in Massachusetts, and because he's close to Hartford, Connecticut, and the financial institutions in Hartford, Connecticut, all think very highly of him. So, you know, is he going to be able to manage his party and lead his party on tax issues? Or are people who are more liberal? Or is Nancy Pelosi, as speaker, going to want to be set the, to set the tax tone for the committee? Those are things they're going to have to figure out as they go forward. Mm -hmm. Janice um, and, and, and anybody else, uh, where do you see, like, understanding the Democrats have to come together to decide what they want to pass, but are there things that they can come together and pass that the Senate would pass, that the president might support, that ways that they can come together and we can actually have some bipartisan I would say yes, and, and the first things I would try to do would be small things. For example, in the health area, I think Republicans today are also beginning to like the idea that pre-existing conditions should be protected mm -hmm. in health plans. That is a place where they could probably legislate together and make law. You know, and, and to the extent that the, the health reform from Obama has been weakened, they could go back and strengthen it in that area. And that's where I think you could find pretty much broad bipartisan support and presidential support. Bigger things may take a while. They have some big things in mind, um, like infrastructure, mm -hmm. that you could do. We've got a lot of questions about how you deal with costs of infrastructure, et cetera. But, but there is a place there where the president, Republicans, and Democrats could together decide they would move forward. So there are some spots. They've got to, I think, take some baby steps before they take big steps, though. Do you think drug prices might be one of those things they look at? Oh, my goodness. Um, <clears throat> I think once you get past the, the issues from the last Congress, they talk big about drug prices. <clears throat> Both parties talk big about it. But it, when it comes to actually legislating things sure. that save on drug people on drug prices, it is hard to find solutions that a majority of everybody will sign on to. That's a big task. So this idea of the Democrats <clears throat> looking or taking some time to figure out what their agenda is going to be, how much of the agenda setting you think is going to come from the House and how much is going to be kind of sitting back and waiting for the 2020 candidate to emerge and then driving the agenda, letting that person drive the agenda? I think the House would like to drive the agenda this first year. Mm -hmm. This presidential campaign has started much too soon mm -hmm. for any of us at this point. And, but the people that have gotten into the race so far are people that are trying to find lanes over on the more liberal side of the party. So they are trying to do it. The party itself hasn't decided that's what it is. That's certainly part of it. But is that kind of the whole party? And in the end, is that the group that the party thinks can best defeat Donald Trump? And with these thin, relatively thin margins, it's going to be hard. The cohesiveness is very important. So finding the kind of the lowest common denominator for legislating is a really key It does challenge. mean you potentially could do a lot less. Mm -hmm. It is one of the reasons that Richie Neal is hoping for hearings on tax reform this year, because that buys him time toward the end of the year before he has to find out a big piece of tax legislation he could put together. He's under a lot of pressure to put in legislation to just repeal the limits on state and local tax deductions. Mm -hmm. That, though, brings its own problems because distributionally that helps pretty wealthy people if you just outright repeal it. Mm -hmm. Having a year of hearings lets him try to figure out if there's a bit of a finesse he could do there, solve a lot of the problems without bringing new problems on. 
Let's go to the next slide and keep talking You had mentioned this. 2020. Before mm -hmm. we did, I just wanted to ask about that. Two questions, really. Mm -hmm. First, do you have any news that you want to make? Are you entering the race? <laughs> I, I do think it would make news for me to announce I'm not running for president. Okay. I do okay. not have an exploratory committee. <laughs> that is one. And I think Todd Metcalf announced the same thing <laughs> for himself right. earlier this week. So you have two, two Democrats, Democrats at not PwC running. who are okay. not running for president. But the, the second more serious question about 2020 is that there are a lot of senators who are already in the mix and maybe some others who are about to, who might get into the mix, and the extent to which senators playing presidential politics might slow down the Senate lawmaking aspects of uh, the short answer to that is yes, <laughs> absolutely. That you you historically have had senators who would run, <clears throat> but almost none of them were on the Senate Finance mm -hmm. Committee. Yeah. Now you've got a few that are exploring it or are actually running from the Senate Finance Committee. So normally it would just go about its knitting sure. <clears throat> and do its job. And then you would you would allow the people who were running for president to kind of peel off. Gotcha. Okay. And at this point, you have some of those on the committee itself. So I think it will influence things in some ways. The Republicans are still in charge. Mm -hmm. They have a bigger majority in the Senate. But because... Republicans are in charge in the Senate, Democrats in the House, you're not going to have reconciliation processes this year. They're not going to agree on a budget that both sides, that both the, the Senate and the House like. So it's going to take 60 votes to pass most things. Mm -hmm. And consequently, you're going to need eight plus Democrats to help pass it. It may make it a little harder to get that, but I think those members will just kind of, they're going to step off to the left a little bit and, and be making kind of statements there. Well, let's look a little bit about what might be on the agenda. Well, divided government, we got shut down. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think for Democrats, they wanted Donald Trump to admit they were a co-equal body um, mm -hmm. balancing the executive branch for the legislative branch. And they felt that the Republicans had not done that in the prior two years, that he'd sort of had sway over everything. They, they got that. Okay. He, um, he admitted that he couldn't move ahead without them. So they got what they wanted. But now I think in both parties, you have people that would like to find a solution and not have another shutdown. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we're not going to have another shutdown? I don't know, because I don't see the path forward right now. Just today, Nancy Pelosi said no money for the wall, and the president said no, shut down without a wall. <laughs> so, so at the moment, they haven't moved together and found ways to parse the words so that both sides can declare victory right now. And so, that could really dominate right. a lot of this year. I mean, It has slowed down the agenda. One of the reasons people want mm. to get beyond it is Democrats can't start putting out an agenda of their own mm -hmm. because this is all the news. This takes all the air at this point. But you also look on this chart, and there's some leftover things from last year. Mm -hmm. There are those extenders that expired at the end of 20... Tax extenders. Tax extenders, like renewable energy credits, mm -hmm. expired at the end of 2017, that people want to find a way to do and it's it's something that seldom passes by itself so up on this chart you have the statutory debt limit suspension expires in march really means it gets serious in probably august because the pre the treasury secretary can disinvest some trust funds and buy some time before they're going to need to go out and borrow more money in the market that's a date somewhere in there that you could tie other legislation to and try to do it. They're going to need a new appropriation deal so that they can spend more money in appropriations over the next two years. It's something both sides are going to agree to. That's a potential opportunity. So they need to move past this shutdown, begin to work towards some of those dates. 
and see if they can find a way to even start with last year's leftovers. And what I think is really notable about the debt limit is the, if you think about the shutdown or the government funding exercise as kind of a warm up for the debt limit, I mean, the consequences of not increasing the debt limit are a lot worse than simply shutting off all or part of the government. And these are, you know, this is calling into question the U.S.'s oh, credit, and the credit rating. And the House has made it a little easier for itself if Democrats can agree on their own budget, mm -hmm. in which is still a big hurdle, but if they can agree on a budget for themselves and they can pass that through the House, whatever happens in the Senate or anything else, then the debt limit kind of lifts from that as though it's separate legislation, as though it has been passed separately and goes to the Senate as, as, a, as a legislative vehicle for the Senate to then act on that. So they've kind of made themselves a first step toward getting that done. But we have heard some people say that Republicans saying the debt limit should be leveraged for the wall, for whatever right. the policy is, and that's, that's where you scary. get into this kind of dangerous territory where you have to where you use this must-pass vehicle to leverage broader wins and the consequences here, it's you know, yeah. playing with fire. It's not clear this is going to be resolved early. I think divided government is going to mean division at the moment. And this is not a good beginning. They're all human up there and they're irritated with one another. And that's not a good start to try to come Usually together. Usually you get that in October or November. Okay. <laughs> get started early. To the extent that we might have a deal to avoid another shutdown, do you think that might be able to carry with it a larger issue set that might include taxes? Or <laughs> will it be more narrow and then they'll fight later on these other issues? I say potentially. If they find a solution, mm -hmm. that solution people are going to rejoice at. Okay. And it can be a magnet that attracts iron filings of sure. other things. Yep. You've already got senators mm -hmm. talking about that extenders package. Mm -hmm. You've got a retirement savings package, an IRS management reform package. You've got some things from the disasters where they want to make it easier for people to file returns when they've lost a lot of their information. So you've got a number of things there. You also have those technical corrections right. That's, from yep. the 2017 legislation. <laughs> I haven't quite figured out how those move forward. What I'm hearing from Democrats is they weren't part of the gang, so they can't opine that something was intended in the original legislation and therefore a technical correction. But the good news is they're willing to look at fixes to that legislation. They aren't saying no to that. So it, it begins to parse the question, if they can fix things, do they go back retroactively as though they were in the original bill? Or do they just go forward from the moment of okay. fixing? There are a lot of kind of new questions out there that weren't out there a couple of weeks ago in dealing with things. I think that <clears throat> some of these things can be done. Some can be done retroactively. But Democrats are going to demand some things that are things they want to be done, too. Just like back in the spring when they got more low-income housing credits for that's doing what, a technical. That's where I think the phrase pay for gets fuzzy. Because there's a, a true technical, narrow definition of pay for, which is the revenue associated with a given provision and whether it needs to be offset within the budget. Then there's the pay for in terms of the political ask, right. where Democrats might say, What do we want say, to do if this. you get to do this? Yep. What's the trade? And I think those two will be conflated, so something to watch in the, in the press. And it's just evolving at the moment, mm, right. so we, we don't yet know the answers to that. Well, those are some of the items that are on the agenda or the desired agenda for Congress. The next slide talks a little bit about some of the forces from the external that are buffeting them. Uh, the desire for infrastructure, which I think is frankly shared by Democrats and even the White House, this question of how to get there. Uh, some of the international issues, we'll get to some of those in a little more detail, but I'm curious about the extent to which maybe infrastructure is one of the specific ones we could focus on, but how are some of these external forces affecting the way in which policy gets they're, made? They're trying <clears throat> the House to 
start a hearing on infrastructure probably toward the end of February. Um, it, it, it is a different, it used to be an easy issue. You know, everybody had a bridge, everybody had a road that, that needed to be fixed. And then it became, oh, it's just more government. And so it became less easy to sort of solve these problems. Well, and we ran out of money, too. I mean, the, the highway That's trust true. fund has was, gone dry. And the gas tax didn't work right. in the right yeah, way exactly. to keep uh, growing enough to, to be able miles to solve travel's going down. Fuel cars are getting more efficient. The tax It just fixed. got harder. Mm -hmm. The infrastructure now also includes a lot of broadband widths and a lot of, a lot of computer things, a lot of kind of technology is caught up in infrastructure. But in ways it means they think they have a chance to create something. I think it's going to mean they have to get into tax exempt bonds and credit bonds and public-private partnerships and things we might not have thought about years ago because they're going to have to leverage the money because they're not going to have this money to pay for all a trillion dollars. Nobody's going to go out and find taxes to pay for a trillion dollars right now. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to cut spending to pay for a trillion dollars right now. And then so the, the process of something it. like that passing into law kind of depend on how the president approaches it. Right? Because if the president likes what the Democrats are putting together, then there's a chance you get enough support in the Senate to do this thing. And as much as some Republicans would like it to, they're afraid of what he'll give for it mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he does want it. They're mm -hmm. afraid he might look at the corporate rate or he might look at some of these things. So you've got a lot of unknowns there. And then you've got those those Europeans and other foreigners who are out looking to tax our companies too. And, and that's going to be, you know, they're robbing banks because that's where the money is. So all of that's going to be playing through this year too. And Congress is going to figure out a way to respond to some of that along the way. And then trade will be talked about later, but that's just going to buffet them all. Sure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like more information about this topic, please contact the speakers their contact information is in the description of this episode. Thank you. Thank you.